0: Welcome back everyone to another edition of so you think you can podcast we're here for another week and I got the whole crew here with me here today and biscuit and Shane let's start with you Shane how you doing this evening
1: I'm giddy man we're back uh podcast is back in Phillies are back in I'm here I'm all in never a doubt in my mind
2: I'm fine you know I while I am not all back in on the Phillies Um (laughs) a five and one Road trip certainly doesn't uh break my spirits, so I guess I can't complain
0: <laughs> with that. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, another another solid week for the Phillies after that tough Cubs series that open up uh the, after the All Star break. You know, you get the uh you bounce back with beating the Braves there in that series at home, then you sweep the Pirates in that four game series, and then of course you split with Atlanta here, closing out with the win uh this Wednesday afternoon, early uh early this afternoon. There to kind of stay where stay you're at right in that playoff race, uh, holding on to that final wild card spot. But first, obviously, we got some more important things to touch on that happened on Tuesday as the MLB trade deadline passed. The Phillies picked up a couple pieces there to help major holes in this roster. I think we all talked about it at certain times throughout the season what we wanted in a reliever, starter, outfielder, you name it, and they went out and acquired three guys. Uh, first, of course. You get the starting pitcher in Noah Syndergaard and then uh, from the Angels. And then you also bring in the reliever, David Robertson, from the Cubs. And, of course, your final one, also from the Angels, the center fielder we needed in Brandon Marsh. Obviously, there's been some controversy there in what the Phillies gave up for Marsh. I think overall, the other two were very reasonable. But first, out of the three, we'll start with you, Biscuit. Which one are you most excited for? and Which one do you think will actually fit the biggest hole there for this roster?
2: Um, what I'm actually most excited for is David Robertson. Um, it's really cool seeing a guy like this who, you know, when he signed with the Phillies, everyone knows, only pitched in like five or six innings with us and, and went down with um, the elbow injury that ultimately resulted in Tommy John. Um, to see him come back to Philadelphia, a fully healthy David Robertson, who, to be frankly honest, is pitching at the top of his career. And honestly, this is this was my favorite trade from yesterday because the Phillies, although it's a rental, got legitimately one of the best arms available in terms of the reliever market. And that's fucking huge. You know, sure, they gave up a prospect in, in Ben Brown, but, um, you know. As everyone knows, this was a seller's market. So um the prices were higher. Um teams had to, you know, give a little bit more to get what they wanted back. And, and I'm fine that Dombrowski made that call. Um and, and I'm really excited to see what David Robertson can come back and do for this team down the stretch. It's an awesome move. I'm happy they did it. Um long term, you you know, I, I think I think the Phillies front office seems very bullish on, um, on Brandon Marsh and what his abilities are moving forward. They seem to really like his upside. And I think what his tangibles are right now, which is a very strong defender is good for the time being, you know, not one of not your whole one through nine, I think needs to be a, you know, a power bat. So if he's just good in the field, I I think that's fine as is for now. And hopefully he could be the center fielder moving forward because it does sound like they uh, could unlock a little more potential that they, they feel like they can do that that with him um but those are you know how i feel about those two guys
0: you know absolutely and i will say i did forget because he wasn't exactly on the trade deadline uh since our last podcast we also traded for emundo uh, sosa giving up jojo romero in that trade so i did forget about that uh that acquisition another pretty good defender there on that that move but, uh, Shane, before I, I get into my thoughts on that, uh, wh- where are you kind of at there? What was your most exciting there acquisition and, and who do you think fills in the, the biggest role?
1: Uh, yeah, I'm in agreement with uh, with Biscuit there, you know, to to add to a, a bullpen that's already really shaping up to be a really good bullpen, which is, I mean, we haven't been able to say that. In, right. Who the
2: it's, fuck would have thought?
1: It's been, I, who I, I thought? <laughs> genuinely can't remember the last time we had a good bullpen. Um. You know, and it seems like every other contending team can just kind of throw together, mishmash random people and make it work every year. And the Phillies have just never been able to do that. Um, you know, so with the the bullpen being kind of a strength and then only getting stronger with a 37 years young uh, Robertson out there, um, I'm, I'm really excited for that. And I'm excited for that fit. Um, I'm also excited for that fit because we eliminate the familiar problem, which was arguably the only real hole in the bullpen. Um, And so now it feels like regardless of situation, you're going to throw out somewhere that you can feel really good about. And, you know, uh, Syndergaard coming back from, from Tommy John hasn't pitched much at all in the last two, two and a half years he's not going on regular rest out there in LA, you know, so he, he's all year been kind of babied. And I don't know if that was with the intention of making sure that he was available and healthy for the deadline to flip for something uh, or obviously if things went better in, in Los Angeles over there too, um, or Anaheim really, um, you know, to uh for their own postseason hopes, obviously didn't work out, Um, you know, but when you add another strong bullpen piece there, I think the biggest thing is the fact that like you can theoretically afford to continue to let him Wheeler even, even Nola like pitch with an extra day of rest here and there and keep all these guys fresh uh, as you go on. So, you know, to me, while I would say none of these moves are overly sexy, um, I, I think they all kind of fit a need where, I've been referencing a lot lately Salisbury um, and Simon on their pod, but it's something I agree agree with wholeheartedly. Each one of these moves, and you can include include the Mondo, uh, or excuse me, Mundo Sosa's, is with the intention to get one win better. And I think that you could argue with each one of these, you have at least, in a bare minimum, got one win better. Um, And I think that's crucial as you're coming into the last, you know, Two months of the season here, so I'm really excited about what they did.
0: No, I completely agree with you guys. Um, I, I, I do agree too. I think my biggest concern with Syndergaard is is he going to be able to adjust to a normal every fifth day? And it'll be interesting to see how the Phillies manage it. Maybe they say until September, maybe they still go with a maybe a Falter or Sanchez every once in a while just to give Syndergaard that type of rest to make sure he can help down the stretch because. Uh, that's one of my favorite parts about adding a starter too because I think it did affect Nola and Wheeler a little bit in the past is instead of having them pitch on short rest, I think Syndergaard is supposed to be good enough where you. you don't have to do that now late in the season. You can keep Nola on Wheeler on regular rest down the stretch and trust the Syndergaard there. And I get it. He's not what he used to do with the Mets, but, I mean, he still has a 3-8, a 3-year three, three race. So still pretty good uh, coming over with the Phillies there. So he's a guy, and especially with how good the bullpen has been, you could trust a guy like Syndergaard right now to uh, attack there late in the season and not have to move around Nola and Wheeler and have them throw on three three days rest or something like that, which we've seen in the past. So I'm excited to see that. Um, I do want to touch on the Brandon Marsh deal because obviously that brought a lot of controversy with the prospect they gave up or prospect they gave up in Logan Ohopi or O'Hopi with um, with with the kind of development he's made over the last couple of years and, and he put himself a, a number 86. On that overall MLB prospect list, the Phillies number three. And and I get it. It seems like a lot. But I think here and why I'm okay with it, I don't take issue with it, is first off, if you truly believe you can get Marsh close to what he was supposed to be, he was once a top 50 prospect coming into the league. And I think it was just as short as two years ago. And Mm -hmm. I think people forget, he's technically under control. He's technically not a free agent until 2028. He's got team control in 2023, 2024, and then he hits arbitration in 25 through 27. So if he does pan out and you're able to fix that bat uh, a little bit, it could turn out to a very significant move here uh, for the Phillies, especially with the defense. He's supposed to take over in center field. And, and Shane, you touched on the phil- this, giving the Phillies the ability to get rid of Familia. Well, it also gives you the ability to get rid of Herrera, which we saw base running mistake or a bad route run out there in the outfield time after time so while you did add those two pieces in him and david you were also able to get rid of two major gaps in in this team and i'm interested interested to see what you guys think like are you okay with giving up um logan there in that trade obviously you'd rather keep him but i think through the team control that's kind of what upped the price a little bit we'll start with you shane
1: yeah. Um. So I mentioned it last time we were on. Um. You know, as as a self admitted prospect lover. Um. You know, an, an endless romantic of of the game and and the process of getting to the big leagues. Um. You know, I can I can fully recognize that when you are, uh, when you're postseason hopeful and your core is you know, getting older or is unhealthy frequently, or if a piece of your core is a fucking catcher uh, who is blocking Ohoppy anyway, um, you know, I think it's a deal that, that you make, you know, 10 out of 10 times. Um, and I think you're 100% correct. I think it's the control uh, and what the scouting department, I mean, obviously it was the first, it was the first move they attacked. You know, they, yes. that was what they wanted. They wanted it to, to solidify. And we haven't had a good center fielder defensively in forever. Um, You know, almost everyone we would thrown out there in center field was a converted middle infielder. Um, You know, so it's been, to have a a legitimate outfielder out there and a guy who has plus speed and uh, plus read, it's gonna be huge, especially when you got a guy like, you know, Castellanos who's slow as hell and terrible with reads out in right field. And you have Schwarber out there uh, in left, which I still, it wouldn't shock me if they kind of shift away from the Derek Hall in the four spot experiment as Bryce and Gene come back, and they let Veerling play every day, and you know they sit there and and they put Schwarber uh, as the DH, you know, or if they put Veerling out and right and uh, and keep Castellanos there, I think Veerling going to still get his get his at bats and get his time here. Um, you know, but obviously they they with two of the four moves that they made, and you can argue with the addition by subtraction of, uh, O'Double, they really start to value defense because they realize that at some point someone has to go out there and catch a fucking baseball. Um, you know, especially when as biscuit will tell you, you know, this offense, when they go cold, man, they go cold and it's tough to watch. Um, and that's, Honestly, it's the nature of today's baseball with the three true outcomes. It's You're going to get some streakiness, so you've got to be able to be a little more sound. So, um, you know, to to be able to now put Marsh out there in center field, cover that much more ground, to be able to shift to a late inning substitution for, uh, for Sosa out there at shortstop, like you are shoring up the middle of your field now, you know, just one decision at a time. And I, I couldn't be more pleased for that.
0: Yeah, No, absolutely. And I'll go to you here, Biscuit, as we kind of touched on, as we mentioned, the three trades that happened. Let's let's dive into where we think they fit. Obviously, in today's game against the Braves, we saw David Robertson close the game, close out, got his first save back with the Phillies. Obviously, already an impact move there. We're able to use Dominguez in the eighth. Is that kind of how you think they'll go throughout the season? Would you continue with that or do you think they'll kind of continue to play it? Who's up? They'll keep keep playing matchups and that's something you can do here and play matchups here, would you, do you think they're just going to make David the closer? And what would you do if you're the manager?
2: Um, I feel like it's still going to be, uh, like Dominguez in the highest leverage spot and then kind of closer by committee. Who's up, who's available matchups, that kind of thing. Um, you know, obviously, as we've seen today, David Robertson's obviously going to get opportunities in the closing position. But I still think you'll see Sir Anthony there some nights, depending on, um, you know, on matchups and things like that. Brad Hand, when he's available, um, it seems like they're giving a lot of more confidence in Jose Alvarado to get those big outs, too. Um, so I think, you know, how how. um uh um, I was about to say Girardi. Jesus Christ! How Thompson's been managing the bullpen with like the quasi roles he's established for everyone. Um, it, it's really paid dividends for the Phillies. So I think he'll just continue on with that and um, those types of rotations. And uh, I, I foresee it'll continue to work.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. I think that's the best way to go. I mean, it's been working obviously since Rob's taken over. Why change it? Um, especially when they're kind of different pitchers at this point. I mean, Dominguez has the speed and the velocity there, while Robertson kind of just mixes his pitches, and that's the biggest thing with him. I think you kind of saw that today. You wanted that more velocity guy with Matt Olson there in that eighth inning coming in, and I think that's why he went with the Alvarado rather than a Brad Hand, who who lives on the breaking balls there. You don't want Olsen to, to turn on something like that. So I think you did see that a little bit in today's game. And obviously, it's only one game. And we'll see the way he continues to, to go throughout the season. But I think that's another thing that's exciting here uh, for that. And Shane, I'll go back to you here. And I know we touched on it a little bit last week where we thought Eflin would fit in with his injury. And when he come back, he's scheduled to come back August 23rd. Once his stint on the 60-day I.L. is up. Obviously, you bring in Syndergaard. Is it safe to say, assuming those guys continue to pitch well, and Gibson and Suarez, Eflin's the odd man out here. And, and what do you think his his uh, value will be to to the team if he does go to a
1: bullpen roll? Um, man, it's it's tough. And Biscuit, no, I can't see you. Um, oh
2: shit! I think my <laughs> I think my camera just went on my computer.
1: Well, we can hear you. Uh, that's so well, the important thing, right? I, I that's uh, the important thing. That is the important thing, um. But uh, oh, fuck. What, what did you just ask me? I, I was responding to, to Biscuit right there. Is I'm this, sorry, <laughs> boy. That's all uh, right.
0: You're, you're good with uh, the Syndergaard edition. Where do you think? Do oh, you think it's his spot
1: to lose and his value in the bullpen? Yeah, I still think. Um, I know I'm beating a, a a dead horse here when when I say my confidence in Eflin when he's healthy. Um, you know, I still think that, you know this move gives him another 20 days granted he you know he's still not throwing off of the mound um he's still experiencing you know some pain and discomfort in that push off knee um and you just know you just don't know if he's if it's ever really going to work out physically for him and, and that's it's it's a real fucking shame um you know i i think that if let me put it this way if eflin by the 23rd by some miracle is healthy enough to pitch again. I, I believe he will be in the rotation. Um, I, I, I just believe he is when he's on and healthy, I, he's so much better than Gibson. It's not funny. Um, you know, and, and I honestly think of all of this man, like it still wouldn't shock me if Ranger Suarez establishes himself as you know, more so the three and, you know, and, and Syndergaard comes in here and he's just a, a plus four. Um, you know, if that's the case, I really don't care who, if it's Eflin or, um, uh, Gibson. And honestly, they may just roll with six, you know, keep guys, yeah, just keep guys sharp going into late September and, you know, and hope, you know, hopefully some October, you know, some meaningful October baseball here. So, um, but yeah, you know, the Eflin thing is, it's just, it's a shame all the way around by all accounts. He's a good dude and, um, just a really fun pitcher to watch when he, it's just an economical pitcher who keeps the ball in play and, and really locates the spots well. And uh, it's just, it's a, it's a damn shame, but you know, I don't know that we're going to see him again this year.
0: No, I mean, it'll be interesting to see what happens. And I mean, they talk about him coming back in August and it would be interesting to see you there. And I don't know, maybe it'd be, what's kind of crazy too, especially with Syndergaard's injury history too, is, do you try to kind of eventually, maybe even in the beginning, kind of pair them up a little bit where you go Guard three or four and then you th- try to throw one two or three or kind of vice versa? There. Oh, I'd do that. Uh, and I don't know how much you want to do that late in September and kind of play that around. But maybe when they first when he first comes back again and this
1: th- I think they're kinda, too similar now, though. Like you really like this to play stuff off of one another. And I think with Syndergaard's velocity, not where it was and and isn't really a strikeout guy anymore either. Like both of them really kind of rely on, you know, relatively pitching economically and creating soft contact. And I I don't really know how much it works to have two guys both right-handed doing that. in this on the same day. That would be my only concern for that. That's true.
0: Well, and and I I guess the last thing on that too, is though, it's cool to have this. Product. When was the last time we could sit here and say we honestly had this much depth where we can throw around five different scenarios? Like That's the other most exciting part about these trades is for once, we actually can say we're a pretty deep team here and have multiple different options. And you even touched on it. You know, you could play a uh, still in, in right field or something, give Castellanos the DH or Swerver the DH, and everything. And here's one thing I want to touch on it. And Shane Orbiski, you can answer on this. I mean, obviously we saw today and, This kind of obviously didn't trade for him, but still after the deadline or guys are getting back, Gene Segura is expected back in the lineup Thursday, August 4th, uh, the first game of that national series. And Harper got the pins removed from his hand. And not only was he taking batting practice today back in Philadelphia, but he was also throwing. So that was when I saw that, I thought that was kind of interesting, too, is maybe are you going to get him back in the outfield? And how much are you willing to put him in the outfield um, risking that arm rather than just continuing him as the H or you just, would you strictly just make him the DH and give him the rest of the year uh, avoiding throwing, but he's another option to put out there for defensive uh, situations.
1: Oh, if he can play defense and and he's not at risk for further injury, he, he he's out there. Um, This team is infinitely better. And again, he's not a, I mean, biscuits mentioned it before on, on pockets. It's not as though Harper's like, a gold glove esque fielder, but he is worlds better than Castellanos and, and his, just his speed alone out there, um, you know, and his intensity after baseballs uh, is huge. Plus the arm that he obviously has when it's healthy. Um, however, if you put him out there and he's, you know, uh, you know, less than 85% or so and one throw, you know, now he's not dealing with a tiny UCL tear, but now it's gone and now he can't, hit either um you know that, that's a cost benefit analysis that you know you really gotta you gotta weigh out the risk factor there and, and what it means for you how much like are you marketedly better with him out there or, or can you survive the rest of the year with with castellanos or Veerling out there um you know I, I think just the big thing is just to get him back in the lineup uh at least hitting for you
0: yeah, no, I agree. As long as there's no injury risk, it's worth a shot there. Um, I, I just don't want to see him throw one throw to the plate, re throw the arm out, and then he's done for the season or something like that. that that's my only fear. And obviously, they know I'd what's cry. going on there. But uh, yeah, I think every, the whole city would. But uh, let's continue as, as we wrap up where these uh, trade deadline uh, acquisitions uh, leave us again. Phillies acquire Noah Syndergaard, Brandon Marsh, who uh, knows Sosa, and. Um, I'm blank. Oh, David Robertson here at the deadline. You already saw Herrera, DFA, and uh, Jairus Familia uh, designated for assignment as well. Again, you got some guys coming back now. So Gene Segura, again, expected to come back August 4th. Obviously, that's going to open up or it's going to cause somebody to go on, on the current roster. And I'll go to you, Shane, on this one. Uh, who do you see gone? Obviously, you got Munoz here. You got Stott. You got Sosa. You just traded for it. Obviously, I would say Stott and Sosa are pretty safe. But is it the end of Munoz and he goes back down to AAA? Or do you think Didi's got a real chance to be DFA'd uh, August 4th here tomorrow? One, one Or I guess today, if you're listening, on the, on the Thursday.
1: Um. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's Munoz. Um, you know, I, to me... I, I think it's more so a conversation and I do think that there is a level of respect for DD, um, you know, and what he's done through over the course of his career, not that he's been, you know, tremendous or, or anything, but he, but he's a well-tenured vet. Um, I think it's a conversation to, to have and to say, Hey, you know, listen, we, we are going to be going with Stott and Gene uh, and our late inning defensive guy for the most part. Um, you know, is going to be Sosa. You kind of are the odd man out. Um, you know, and, and he'll be playing rotational days. And um, does does he accept that role? Does he not? Um, it, it's it's a real interesting thing. Um, I, I don't know that there's as much to gain from DFAing Didi as there is from keeping him on the roster. Um, you know, I just think that uh, he, he, he's. He's a dude with a lot of games under his belt, and I just come the postseason. You know, if we're there, um, I guys just find it, and and I think he's a dude that'll find it. You know, if he's in the position to be playing, so I think he's I think he's safe. I think he stays. Uh, but I do see his playing time being the odd man out, so long as he accepts it.
0: Yeah, no, no, I, I agree with that. And and going to you, biscuit here. Obviously, again, you bring in three guys so far. You DFA two. And on top of Segura coming back, Noah Syndergaard is actually making his Phillies debut tomorrow uh, evening against the Nationals. So that's going to cause another guy uh, to get sent down or something. So, I mean, assuming it'd be a pitcher, are, are you going, I guess it's got to be Nick Nelson, right? With how well everyone else is throwing, but biscuit, Nick do you Nelson's see Nick? good too. But well, yeah, that's the problem. Like, you got you got talent there, but I don't know who you'd pick. <laughs> it, like, who else I you'd thought, pick there? Not I for, thought they sent
2: someone down today.
0: Oh, did they send someone down today? Oh well I for, I forgot they called up uh Morales um, to fill that roster spot until they got here. So it's probably him. You're right, Bill. Right. Good call good call on that.
2: Look at me go.
1: Look <laughs> at you go.
2: Joey baseballs. Anyway, um What was the question again? Now I forgot it. Well my qu-
0: my question was gonna be who would the Phillies send down? But I, oh. like I mentioned they're just oh, oh. gonna it'd probably be just Morales there. So not okay. you.
2: Well, let me talk about Noah Syndergaard for a minute then while I have okay. a moment to shine. <laughs> um, Noah Syndergaard is a fine move. I think what you've seen in the Twitterverse and what you've been hearing from people about the reaction of Noah Syndergaard is people either, I think, really like the move or really hate the move. It's just I like th- the Phillies. Yeah, true. <laughs> it's, it's it's a beautiful metaphor. Um, I, I, I didn't – look – I think there's still some tangibles about Noah Syndergaard that I really like. I think there's still just because of the guy he used to be, there is upside. He's only so far removed from Tommy John. He might just still need more time to get back to that level. I don't think there, I I think there could be a pathway forward to get that guy, not for that guy, for him to go back to that level. I don't think it's going to happen this season though. And I I know you didn't want to give up one of the big three starting pitching prospects you have in the system. But if you really wanted to go after it and say, we're going to the post, you would have went out and got Carlos Rodon. Like, and I know, I know for a fact that you, you probably could have done it with only giving up one of those guys. Like, I don't think you would have need to sacrifice more than one of those guys to get him. You would have made this, like, I would have been in. I would have said, OK, you have Wheeler, Aaron Nola, and Carlos Rodon going up for the last two months of this season. We're going to the playoffs. I would have wholeheartedly believed that Noah Syndergaard just doesn't move the needle that much in that regard. And I know, you know, like like the move wasn't really supposed to do that. It's just to supplement the injury rotations that we have right now. But you could have really grabbed the city by the balls and said, we're going for it. And they just didn't take that opportunity. And it's not that it's a bad deadline, but it just could have been so much more. And we could have really been a story heading out for the last, added through the last two months of the season.
1: Well, who the hell else is getting back what? an MVP though? What was that? Who else is getting back an MVP? I mean, if you think about it, like there are so oh, many moves mean. that are coming and I get it. Like, trust me, I, I, i'm I'm with you you know if if it was a reasonable cost to go out there and and acquire that that talent and put that arm in your rotation all in absolutely i would have been ecstatic but when you do look at this thing in totality and not just like in a vacuum over the course of you know 48 hours or 24 hours you know you're getting back the mvp of baseball you're getting back your most consistent hitter in gene segura you short up your your center field defensively. You short up your depth in the middle of the infield. Um, you, you added a, a depth piece to your rotation, which is going to be a three or a really good four. Uh, you know, and then you go out there and you add another plus bullpen arm. You know, when you take a look at all of these things. I don't know how you cannot be excited. You know, the it's. I'm not,
2: saying, I'm not saying I'm not excited. I just think the fact of the matter. I mean,
1: is... you don't sound anything more than 20% more flas or you know more than flaccid.
2: <laughs> well, like I said, it, you you could have been excited and then rock fucking hard. I'm, I just wasn't moved that way to, to, from this deadline. And look, look, I get what you're saying, but there's a lot of ifs there too, guys. Oh, of Gene course. Gene Segura and Bryce Harper coming back from hand injuries, um, you don't know how they're going to swing the bat the first couple couple games or, or throughout That's the cool. first couple weeks of them returning. There's a very likely chance that one or both of them are going to struggle. And in Bryce Harper's case, it's not going to be enough time for him, to, if he gets real cold, to turn it around. Um and then, yeah, sure, the defense has been shored up, the the pitching in the bullpen has been shored up, but there's still things that are, there's still cracks in this team. This team is not perfect. And I know no team vying for a newly added six playoff spot is probably going to be perfect. They just need to be good enough. But, There's other teams that are just good enough still that we're competing against who, just like the Phillies, have a very easy second half schedule, have a lot of um, top of the top of the team talent and can very easily kill this dream for us in the snap of a moment. So while I am excited, while I do think the moves that were made over the last um, week or so and, and obviously the last the last day are big moves. Um, there are still plenty of reasons to be concerned, and I just can't overlook them right now, regardless of how much fun I'm having with the team.
1: Well, Andrew, let me let me ask you with it, though, you know, because you were more in on on Syndergaard than than either of us. Um, You know, he was probably a middle tier guy for for what we were thinking. And honestly, he was certain it doesn't appear that he was the Phillies guy either. If he were, that would have been just a one that would have been Marsh and. Syndergaard in one deal this is like a circle back around the 11th hour type of conversation which makes it seem like hmm, they had their eyes on someone or something else um, you know so what about cindergard for you is you know does give you the type of confidence going in that differs from what maybe what Biscuit and I saw
0: uh, First I understand again he's not and I already said it, he's not what he was with the Mets I understand he's not going to be throwing 100 miles per hour at every every game and every pitch like that but I think what it does bring here is I think he's more consistent than a Kyle Gibson. He's, he's got, he's more consistent than Eflin on the field. He's got the same injury risk. I think as Eflin, you don't know if he's going to make it, but I think on his pitching, he's more consistent there as well. And then same thing with Ranger Suarez. I think he is more consistent than Suarez this season. I think he'll, he'll be a solidified spot there in that three and to have, the depth there again, which we haven't had in a while. He's got postseason experience when he was with the Mets. Uh, I think that brings a lot of value. I think we talked about it with Kyle Schwarber, um, with him. You see how much he leads the team. I think you have a guy in Syndergaard who, I mean, you clearly on Twitter already seems to to try to be a funny guy, tries to build those relationships. I think that's going to go a long way as well. And then of course, what better way when we knock out the Mets in the playoffs, you have Zach Wheeler and Noah Syndergaard (laughs) taking out the Mets. So, um, but no, on a serious note i think i do agree with you though i think i even put it in the chat i don't think he was our first guy and i think you saw that with the way they were approaching it and even nebrowski said uh yesterday when he was interviewed where it was kind of a, a deal that came back in the last i think he said 15 minutes uh before the deadline and, and as the angels lowered their price but i think the other thing is here you didn't give up much for him and i understand obviously Money X got a lot of or, I mean, still potential there, still a young guy, but I mean, so think about it. You, you gave him and a, a prospect
2: <laughs> and a, a
0: pros and, and another prospect. I'm, I'm blanking on the name there um, that I wasn't uh, familiar with. He wasn't even a top 30 prospect. That, as I search his name here, but I, I think it's a, a risk there that was willing to be made. Uh, Jadel Sanchez I was the other guy going over for center guard. So I, I think the most important thing here again is depth, and you mentioned it. Think about—we've been stuck with a questionable Eflin, a questionable Gibson this year, and then a mixture of Bailey Falter, Christopher Sanchez. Now those two guys become your seventh and eighth option. So just the the value he holds here—you're not locked into him. If he, hypothetically if he does get hurt, it's only to the end of the season. So it's not like you're taking a huge risk there.
1: No, I think I think it's a lot of fair fair points. I don't necessarily agree on the you know a healthy F, Eflin, you know, that, that Syndergaard is a clear cut, uh, ad, uh, advantage over him. Uh, nor would I with, uh, with Ranger. I, I, I have a lot of faith in Ranger right now, maybe blindly so, but, um, but, uh, you know, over Gibson. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I, and I, I love what you said about the postseason. Uh, and and the experiences uh, in big games and things like that. Like we again, we see how much this team has benefited, just as you mentioned, from Kyle Schwarber and his leadership. Um, you know, and and that's that's it's such a welcomed thing. Uh, that it'll it'll be really good to to have that uh, in the rotation in some capacity. So I'll be curious to see how it all works out.
0: Well, and a question that I thought about when we were talking about this, and this goes for either one of you, which I want to answer first. Um, how much in that, like, for example, Rodon, a guy, of course, they said the Phillies at least touched on or talked about for a little bit. His contract's expired at the end of the year, and maybe they kind of touched with him, and he wanted, he's saying, oh, I want to test the free agent market, and you really didn't want to make give up a lot for him. If they had that inside information, obviously, we don't know what those talks were, possibly. Or another question, how much do you think, and I don't necessarily, I hope it's not the case, because if other teams are adding. I hope you add as well. But how much do you think uh what the Padres did uh and, and re-solidifying how good they were or like the Dodgers obviously adding to the powerhouse. How much do you think that affects whether you back off or not? Obviously again the for those who don't know the Padres acquired Juan Soto and Josh Bell uh from the Nationals, obviously two fantastic hitters and then they also add Josh Hader who's been a very good closer. Um how much how much do you think that kind of brought Dave back maybe and he's like okay, I don't want to give up Maybe he was thinking about giving up a, a painter or an able there, but then he's like, well, they got Those guys, we might not have them a year beyond this year. So we're going
2: to step back and go back. to the Um, look, I honestly, when, when you bring the, when you bring the factor in and this is honestly something I, I hadn't considered much that Carlos Rodone would have been a rental as well. I think it does make the decision of moving one of those three top starters, much less palatable. Um, So that is something that I think was taken into consideration. Like you said, Andrew, where they were having those discussions and, you know, he's having a fantastic year. There's a, I would have been, he would be remiss not to opt out, honestly. So regardless if he came here or not, um, obviously you never know if Dombrowski wanted to keep him and wanted to work out an extension. There's always something that could have been in the cards, but, a more likely scenario would have been him testing free agency. And I just don't think they were ready to, uh, to make that leap with, uh, with that uncertainty. Um, So I, I think, you know, at the end of the day, To your point, I think it does make the Syndergaard trade better just because they were able to get someone who, albeit a rental, you were able to get someone at a much lower price tag. But there were some nice controllable starters out there, such as Tyler Maley, who went to the Twins, who you could have also tried to pivot as well. And I think I would have been fine if you had to move on from one of those guys to get a big upside arm like him.
0: Yeah, no, um. Uh, I agree with all that, and I am high on Maley too. I I think he was a good acquisition (laughs) Mm -hmm. for the Twins. Uh, I think he's kind of undervalued a little bit from being in Cincinnati, but unless you guys have anything else on the the trade deadline, I think it's a good spot here to to move forward. Um, Three guys I want to touch on that, in my eyes, I can officially say are all back, but I'm interested to see where you guys stand, and of course, I'm going to start with the probably most controversial one in Nick Castellanos. Um, Shane, I'll start with you, but in his last seven games, he's hitting 414. Uh, obviously, had the big home run today. He's got five RBIs. Uh, in his last 15 games, he's hitting 300, uh, again, with the one home run since the All Star break. And first, again, last one, can we thank Jim Salisbury for this ever since their incident? He's hitting 373 since then. But Shane, no overall thoughts here on Nick, and do you think we can officially say whether he's back or not?
1: Uh, he's not I don't back yeah i don't think you could say he's back by by any stretch but um what i will say is you know and and as someone who's played the game his entire life as well like we we've jokingly said a a lot in our text messages to to one another as well as on the show you know that most of his hits are just these weird bloop singles you know that it's just not a lot of power behind the swing and not a lot of drive um you know it's i think it was at one point 18 of his last 20 hits were singles Um, you know, or 18 of the last 19 hit something absurd like that. And I'm not prepared to say that, you know, any more than, you know, two or three of them were hit hard. Um, But as, again, as someone who's, you know, still plays the game and and has played his entire life, it is important to get, just get some luck rolling your way. You know, if if a lot of Alec Bones hits uh, during this, this, you know, scorching hot path that he's been on, you know, we're just kind of seeing eye singles, you know, um, he did event like he more balls than not, he's hitting hard now. Um, but that wasn't always the case. So, you know, I, what I would say is it, it's good that, that there's, that he's being the benefit of, or having the benefit of, of some, some found luck. Um, and there's, there's no telling what that can do for, for confidence. And he, he seems like a, a guy driven completely on, on confidence, uh, and, and style. You know he's a he's a loud dude you know he's a big personality when when he's going right and we haven't seen that personality at all this year we haven't seen that fuck you mentality that he's carried with him through each stop in his professional career Mm. um you know and, and and who's to know maybe these bloop singles and you know these little bleeders that that he's getting and and just happen to be falling and you know, he finally gets, you know, a nice line drive the other day, and then he gets, obviously, the home run today, his first one in, I don't know, four and a half years. Um, You know, good for him. Like, maybe that's the start of something for him, and maybe that's the confidence that's fueling back. Um, but I, by no stretch, am, am prepared to say that, that Nick Casty fucking Anos is back.
0: I mean, I, I disagree because, um again, I get the power's not there, but since the All-Star break, he's got 15 hits in 12 games. I don't I mean, to me, it doesn't really matter. He's still getting hits. That's just part of today's game with the shift. I mean, it's not like the shift's going to, they're going to move back. They're going to continue to play that same shift on him. So those hits are going to continue throughout the season. Um, if obviously since they'll continue to play that way. So uh, again, obviously the power is not there, but if he's getting the hits here and he's getting on base, especially with, with Harper and Segura coming back here soon, he'll get, he'll get hit in and everything. So, uh, I mean, I, I think his job right now, I mean, find a way to get on it with those guys coming back. And again, since the All-Star break, he, he's got he's been playing very well, and I think he's seen the ball better. Um, I, obviously, again, I'm not gonna sit here and say he's the same Castellanos from last year, but he's a guy you can still trust at this point. Like, he,
1: I, I don't know, I don't know that you can trust him, um, but I would say that you can you can cautiously be excited about what might come. Um, you know, I, I, I to me, I'm I'm still not there with him. Um, you know, but, but again, I, I fully respect that there are things in this game and baseball doesn't always make sense. Um, sometimes you don't have to hit it hard or hit it. Well, you just got to hit it where they're not. And, you know, that it's really got just kind of been his style for, for a bit. Um, you know, and, and I'll be curious to see what continues on. Um, I will say it in your defense, Andrew, and for your stance, he isn't supposed to be. The guy, he's supposed to be one of your guys. So when you're getting an MVP-like person, a player like Harper back, even if Harper's not MVP form when, right when he comes back, which he likely will not be. Same thing with Gene Segura. These are two st- still stud hitters who will get the respect of those on the mound. Um, and what that will do, and 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 how that impacts pitchers and how they approach those at bats will likely make easier at bats for nick castellanos you know pitchers are going to try to be a little more fine and make the perfect pitches for for the bryce harpers of the world and even the gene segura's to an extent um which means they they may start to relax themselves against you know the the reese hoskins or the you know castellanos or the jt romito so with these guys coming back um you know it it could all be a perfect storm for him to, to, to really write himself and, and have a really strong final two months of the season.
0: Bisc, is there anything else you want to add on him?
2: No, nothing in particular, nothing that Shane said. I, I, I agree. Okay. Well, I, my
0: last thing on him too, is how much, and this goes really for any player. Obviously you hope that um, he is the same guy last year, but, How much of last year and him kind of excelling last year? Almost, I mean, obviously, rightfully so, I raised expectations, obviously, with the contract. But, I mean, that was the only year he did hit over 300. Like, career wise, he is only a 270 hitter. So he's not too far off of that if he kind of continues to bounce back here as he's brought his average up to close to 260. So, how much do you think that factors in? And then, uh, again, he's only hit the 100 RBI mark twice. So, really, he's only getting around the 80 to 90 RBIs um, here. And, I don't know, I think he's probably on pace for in in the 70s here. So, how much of last year, maybe, I think it's fair to ask the question, might have been a little bit of fluke with how high those numbers were. And maybe he is more of that that 270, uh, 270, 275 hitter that he was in the past.
2: Can I answer this one? Yes, yes. So, look, like, look, I'm actually someone – I – well, I, I still, you know, you got a high batting average or more than likely a pretty solid player, but I've taken a lot of stock out of batting average the last couple of years. Okay. You could have a decent batting average and still be a kind of shitty hitter. You know, you, you look at look at a guy like Ben Revere. You know, Ben Revere. <laughs> you could single us to death, but it doesn't do shit. Your OPS can still be under 700. But, and, and, and that's the thing. When, even when Castellanos is batting 270 to 80, the you know, while he might not be hitting 30 home runs, the the gap power is there, the on base percentage is there, the you know, 20 to 25 homer pop is there. That's just not here right now. And sure, he has done a little bit better as of late, but that's Nick Castellanos being back driving balls into the gaps, driving balls over the wall. He doesn't need to get sure he had an awesome year last year. But the, the thing that's frustrating is he could be that guy. He might not be that guy every single year, but that, that the you know, 300 batting average, the OPS over 900, th- like he could stay around those levels consistently. He has the ability to do that. He is a very talented hitter. Um, That's him being back. That's him being, not, not even like, you know, back, but just any semblance of that. Like, like that's him to where he needs to be. Um, him batting, you know, 260 and, you know, he, like, you know, getting it up to 270, that's all fine and good for him. But if he's not getting that gap power and getting that pop back to hit balls over the wall, that, that doesn't do much good in the end. It's fine, but it's, it's not what you need and certainly not what you're paying him for.
0: Yeah, I, I see what you're saying. But to Shane's point earlier, when, when you got Harper coming back, I mean, he's not here to be, I think, that kind of guy. He's here to to get on base there. Hopefully Harper can drive him in and, and company there. And I'll be interested sure to see what uh, Thompson does with the, with the lineup here when everybody's back. I mean, it is going to be a very full lineup. Obviously, Alec Bones has been hitting well. Do you keep him in the three spots? Do you put Bryce obviously back there? Uh, who will be the four? This like this lineup is is only going to get deeper here in, in the near future, and I'm I'm kind of excited and intrigued to see where Rob is going to go here with with that lineup as a whole. Because I mean, top to bottom, it's going to be pretty uh, pretty deep here, which is which is very exciting. Because you could play with it. I mean, how many two hole hitters do you think we have? Like you could put Segura there. Obviously, Hoskins has been there for a while. You could put Harper there if you want to keep Bowman at the three. Like there, there's so much to go about here.
1: Absolutely. You know, and I think one of the cool things about this lineup is, you know, outside of Schwarber, you know, there isn't really, you know, a a 35, 40 plus home run threat in this lineup. Certainly. I mean, Bryce on, on a normal year, uh, you know, if he's playing a full season, um, sure. But I mean, even him, he's, he's, he's so much more of a, of a raw, just like a traditional hitter like the, like bryce is is, is going to get his doubles he's you know he's, he's going to get on base a ton um but Schwarber's like the only power guy this entire lineup it, it it just has the ability to go out there and win you a baseball game every night and we see it every week it's a different guy it's a different young i mean bryson stott struck out like six times in an entire month right now i i mean I, his, his average to biscuit's point is still dog shit, but his worth in today's baseball and and what he's able to do is 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 immense you know if he's seeing six eight nine pitches in at bat how much does that benefit the guy that 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 follows him or the several guys that follow him how much does that knock pitchers out of these games quicker than what managers intend to see them out and this team there it's just it's going to be a team full of tough outs that can spray the baseball everywhere and and i love that man it's it's this is going to be a very very cool team to watch for for the last two last two months of this regular season
0: yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely agree with you. And the next guy I want to touch on here is JT who Continues just hit the ball well, and we mentioned in past podcasts here with Rob, he likes to honor guys who, who start hitting. And you saw JT move up. Derek Hall started struggling, so they dropped him down to the six spot. The last few games, moved JT to the four, and he's he's just continues to produce here over the, over the last few last few weeks here, and continues to stay hot in uh, the stretches. We we turn to August. I mean, Biscuit, what are your thoughts on JT and talk about his turnaround?
2: Look, uh, he, like like Castianos performing a lot. I think he's done a lot better than Castellanos. He's doing and he's doing well. You know, he's he's certainly getting back to the player that you expect him to be. Well, I wouldn't say he's back yet. It, it's been. A good drastic turnaround for him from where he was headed um he's really turned his season around he's played awesome defensively throughout most of the season and now the bat's starting to pick it up once again like we talked about last show i like that he's getting a little bit more rest i think it helps keep him fresh which is huge um but but it's been good to see and him and Bowman have really stepped up they've been a nice little three four punch in the lineup especially with um Kyle Schwarber, who's been really cold as of late, obviously he's got some big home runs here and there, but, you know, his batting average is really down. The OPS is starting to uh, to, tank, uh, to tank a little bit too. Um, so, you know, the, it, it's been huge because the team needs it.
0: Yeah, I, I absolutely agree with you uh, on that. Uh, moving on to the pitching, and one guy we, we've touched on a little bit here today is Ranger Suarez. And I want to give him a quick shout-out just for what – He's done coming off the IL, um, and since the All Star break, uh, just finished in three starts. Finished the month of July with a zero zero ERA there, and he hasn't allowed more than four earned runs since uh, his May 25th start. And he hasn't given up more than, uh, or he's, yeah, hasn't given up more than four four earned runs since that May 25th start. And that was four runs over seven innings, which isn't even awful for a uh, three, if not four starter there. Um, Shane, why don't you talk about how much do you think he tried to play through that injury, knowing he's kind of been a, a question mark whether he's going to keep his spot in the rotation? How much do you think that factored, and that IL stint really just helped him kind of, kind of rejuvenate and remember who he was?
1: I don't, I don't know that you can say enough positive things uh, about Ranger Suarez. He is, um, he, he's he's everything that you want uh, out of a out of a team first starting pitcher you know he, he's a guy who you know, he, he was he was a starter uh in the minor leagues came up became a bullpen arm was a dominant bullpen arm for us and the team was like well shit we really need him to start now you know so they they shifted him to to a starter maybe i'm reversing that maybe he was a starter reverted him to a bullpen brought him back to a starter whatever the whatever the path was for him there he just seems to be a guy that just says you know yes like it and the just say yes guys are are so valuable, especially in today, you know, in today's game and you know, with today's human. Like, there's a lot of people that want to argue. There's a lot of people that don't want to do the things that that are asked of them. Uh, and he just seems to just t- kind of roll with all the punches that that baseball gives him or that life gives him. Um, and and I just don't think you could say enough positive things about him. Um, you know, I am a, I'm a big Ranger guy. You know, I, I I genuinely believe he is this team's three and will establish himself as the team's third. Uh, In a postseason, you know, in a a postseason series, should we get there? um, You know, I I think that you will be looking at a at a Wheeler Nola, um, you know, and and Ranger top three, um, you know, with a hopeful Eflin and uh, Syndergaard and I I guess Gibson, um, you know, all kind of vying for um you know either a fourth start or or some extended relief time uh the way that that these pitchers are managed in the postseason but to me man i i I, like last year i i felt like the key to the rotation was was Nola. this year i feel like the key to the rotation and the final two months of this season is going to be ranger suarez um we know what we're getting out of the top two what can we get out of you know the the new pair of threes in him and and Syndergaard? um you know and and i just uh I I think Rangers really going to establish himself as that dude.
0: And hopefully he continues to do that. I think, um, he's between him and Syndergaard. They're both going to come down the wire here and kind of fight for that third spot in that playoff rotation. Um, since then. So moving on here, uh, just previewing this upcoming week as we get set, Phillies have five games, um, before we do our next podcast, um, yeah, five games before our next podcast, next Wednesday. Uh, of course, they got four against the uh, Washington Nationals here, and then they'll play. have an off-day Monday, play one against the Miami Marlins, and then, well, a three-game series, but only one game before our, uh, the next time we record. And all, all five of those games are home. And I don't think, and you guys know, I usually say it's pretty tough to, to sweep a team, especially in, in a four-game series, but I, I don't think it's unrealistic. To really win all five of those games, if not at least four. I mean, we saw him go four out of five here this week. But again, you go against Washington. We I mentioned they traded Josh Bell and Juan Soto, so a very limited offense there now. And, and you're throwing Noah Syndergaard on Thursday, Kyle Gibson Friday, uh, Ranger Suarez on Saturday, and then you, you end the series with Aaron Nola. And then uh, on Tuesday, you open up uh, again with uh, Zach Wheeler. Um, and again, obviously, baseball is tough to predict here, but Biscuit, we'll start with you. What are you kind of looking forward to seeing in Syndergaard's first start for the Phillies here against the Nationals? And then just talk about the week and on some expectations here.
2: Um, you know, I, I want to see the thing that'll make me the most happiest. I want to see him pitch well, and I want to see it. Uh, I want to see it end with a Phillies win. Um, there's a lot to be excited about coming up. You're going to see a lot of guys coming in. You saw today, David Robertson making his uh, his. Uh, Not Philly's debut... But his uh, his uh, return to, to the Phillies club. Um, and you're going to see Brennan Marsh join the team soon. Cindergard tomorrow. You're going to get Gene possibly back tomorrow. Um, it's going to be an exciting week. And look, you know, it's a, it's a team that you've done really well against. You got to keep it up, got to keep putting the pedal to the metal. Baseball is a funky sport, though. You never know what the Nationals are going to bring. And there certainly could be a game where they're certainly competitive with us. That's just how the sport works. But hopefully you can do that. You can go out and sweep this team because uh, the Nationals really um, could, uh, um, I think, play a big factor in the Phillies and their playoff eligibility based off how many games we take in the remaining 11 we have with them. So you need to continue cleaning up on this team because right now you do have their number. So hopefully that just continues.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I absolutely agree with that. And basically 20 percent of our remaining games this season are against the Washington Nationals uh 11 out of the final 58 so that's kind of amazing there to think about is how much opportunity you might have to take advantage of a team that completely just sold the roster there uh, at the deadline um obviously they brought back luke Boyd who's shown some power but obviously he's nothing like juan Soto or josh bell so yeah hopefully that continues but shane kind of same question to you there obviously you want to see him do well and everything but what are you looking for from Syndergaard? Um, here, as you guys first look at an affiliate's uniform and, and your expectations for uh, the games.
1: Um, man, I I don't know w- w- with him. Not nothing about him really excites me. Nothing really excited me about him when he was the <laughs> Met either. Um, you know, I I, I kind of felt like he was just like he was kind of a starting pitcher I- in that first wave of starting pitchers who had that like true ridiculous power arm. And like, that was the big wow factor, but I never really thought his stuff was all that great. Um, You know, so I I think for me right now, what I look for in any pitcher who's getting a a second shot somewhere, uh, and especially a second shot on a competitive team uh, and and a postseason hopeful team is what have you learned? You know, like the the last time that I, I was consistently watching uh you know Syndergaard starts against the Phillies like I was not impressed by him he was a thrower not a pitcher and it's a cliche thing to say um, but he was a dude who relied heavily just on the, the velocity of, of his pitch um and the, the game has just evolved like you just can't be that dude anymore you got to have movement on those you got to you got to spot it well you got to mix your pitches well you got to learn how to pitch with the stuff that you have um and so I think that for for me, what I'm most looking forward to, not just tomorrow, but over the next, you know, the I, I, if he only has five, eight starts with us through, throughout the rest of the 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 time here, because who knows how, how many uh, you know days of rest we're going to give him in between these starts, is I just want to see a guy who is beginning to learn how to legitimately pitch without a 98 to 100. Um, you know, I I want to see a dude who who looks like he can command several pitches um and you know who i can feel comfortable with as a pitcher uh and not a thrower so that's the biggest thing for me yeah
0: no i absolutely agree with you i think i was kind of always the same way too. when he started as injuries i was like well it's probably better for them just move him as a closer but well I mean, again we talk about the mentality of ranger suarez and what he's able to do and we'll see how Syndergaard continues to progress but that's kind of what he's got to do too is kind of recognize where his game's at and change his mentality of what he wants to throw and trust some of his other pitches more and maybe even develop something that uh, they kind of save his a, career here.
1: A cutter like every other Phillies pitcher who's yeah. ever fucking pitched. <laughs> ever since Rich Dooby. Fix everything <laughs> Throw a cutter.
0: I feel like it's that or the change-up. For, for relievers, it's more the change-up. For starters, oh, the cutter, and I feel like for, for the I relievers, agree, it's, yeah. always, it's always the change-up. It's like <laughs> the Ryan Matson had and Conor then He's got that like circle change or whatever.
1: Conor Brog um, change is beautiful. Absolutely. Uh,
0: but kind of going around the rest of the league as we touched on the Phillies deadline here, and just kind of quick here. And, and Shane, we'll go start with you and then go to Biscuit. Was there any team around the league you thought, uh, obviously the Padres, so we'll leave them out from the Soto and Bell deal uh, and Josh Haders, we very kind of briefly talked about. But is there a team that really stood out to you, whether it was a, a fantastic move or even uh, just kind of a, a disappointment there from a, a baseball standpoint?
1: Um, well, I would have said from a, a, a disappointment standpoint, up until the 11th hour, the Braves not really doing a ton, although the damage that they did was, you know, signing another person to an unbelievable contract. Um, <laughs> you know, that would have been like a, a slightly disappointing uh, offseason, although our offseason trade deadline, though I don't think that they need to do that much. They're just that well run and that good. Um, but I I love the fact that, that Seattle and Minnesota are both teams that are sitting there saying, we believe in our, our organization. We're going to go out there and we're going to, you know, we're going to try to do something here. We're going to try to do something special. Um, and I just, I think that's great. You know, you you start to see when you watch these, when you watch these leagues and these sports for, for as long as we have, you know, you, you start to. You get bored of the Boston Celtics being, you know, a top two or three seed in the East every single year. You get bored of watching Tom Brady in New England every year, now in Tampa. Um, you know, you, you get you get bored sitting there watching, uh, I was going to say Boston again just because they pissed me off. But you could say either Florida team and, and the NHL. Um, you know, it's really cool to sit there and see teams like the Bengals just all of a sudden come out. See teams like the Bills all of a sudden come out. Um, and I think it's super fun when you start to see this in, in baseball now where you start to see, you know, I know we hate them, the Marlins, but I, and I know it was a bullshit postseason season birth, uh, in 2020, I thought that was fucking cool. Good, good for them. Right. Um, and I think that that's, that's what you're looking at here with, with Seattle and, and Minnesota and stuff. I think it's, I think it's great for the game. I think it's great for those, those markets because neither one of them are huge. Um, and, uh, and. I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing what both of those teams and organizations continue to do for not just the next couple of months, but but how how this kind of sets them up for for the next several years and, and what they do with their internal pieces and what they do with uh with free agencies. So those uh those are the two teams that are fun for me.
0: No, I absolutely agree. Twins were definitely one of my, my undervalued uh teams there that had a very good trade deadline. What about you, Biscuit? Any uh exciting teams or disappointing teams?
2: Um, it was exciting that the Mets didn't do a whole lot. I really like that. <laughs>
1: That's
2: true. I like the. I fact don't
1: believe that- in Darren Ruff. Uh,
2: I, well, you know, look, they they got Vogel back and Ruff. I think that'll be a good platoon situation for them. That's gonna get some big hits. Um, I think I I have a good Mets buddy of mine, and I think there's a little bit of a You know, an understanding or or disappointment amongst them that there wasn't more done. But look, they have a really talented ball club, too, and the best uh, starting pitchers to ever do it in our time. Um, You know, a a very, very strong team as is. Um, The Cardinals, I'm happy that they didn't get Soto. That was probably the best news of the day, and the fact that unless both teams are in the postseason, we never have to face the Padres again. And just how about the Padres? That man AJ Preller, the um the GM of the uh, of the Padres, that man literally must get so excited over the trade deadline because that's his. He's the trade deadline's daddy at this point, and um. <laughs> I think after last year, striking out on uh, on um, Scherzer and uh, and Trey Turner in the way that all that went down, where it seemed like to the public that uh, the the trade was going to be done and they were all going to go to San Diego. Um, he he really came out and owned this one and that's cool to see it's it's cool to see someone be that uber aggressive and put just one of the most talented some of the most talented hitters in the game of baseball together soto machado tatis that's insane that's insane and that's exciting for any san diego fan who's out there
1: all nine um, of them
2: yeah yeah you you're not wrong but uh <laughs> <laughs>
1: everyone's out there's um, too busy just enjoying sunshine and beaches Right. Hey, but that but, team is so fun to watch man
2: right it's that's gonna an be exciting, awesome that's an exciting product Dude, was it was
1: the last two years of, of them versus the dodgers unbelievable series so much fun to sit there and watch so i am excited for that team i know andrew you said we couldn't use them but that would be everyone's oh, yeah. pick right now that, um, i'm sorry andrew. I'm
0: no you're good you're good i understand they're they're gonna be a lot of fun fun to watch and finally someone that can challenge the dodgers too but no, that line is going to be for real and everything. But that 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 kind of led me into my quick disappointing team, as I was going to say. And I know, Biscuit, you said you were excited about it because you didn't want to see him go to the Cardinals. But I'm just talking about like strictly baseball point. Could you imagine being a Cardinals fan, and the only guy holding up that trade was Dylan Carlson, who's a year older than Soto, and all you had to do was add him to the, to the package who hasn't lived up. It's kind of similar to Don Brown situation for me. Like, he hasn't 100%. Lived up- he hasn't lived up to the potential he's supposed to have, and you're sitting there like we're we're not going to give him up for a once in a lifetime player. And then at the end of the deadline, you traded Bader, who is probably just as good as Carl's for Jordan Montgomery. Like that's just if I was a St. Louis fan, I'd be fuming right now, like with, that you missed out on that opportunity to add that guy.
1: The only thing I can think is that like you know Soto's representation like made it definitively clear that he wasn't he wasn't going to come back like
0: that's true
1: you know that that's the only way but like even that like for even just for two months it's it's soto man go do it figure it out you churn out talent like crazy you have a current mvp candidate if not the front runner uh you know playing there your corner of the infield ridiculous just go do it no one's beating that team I absolutely agree with you. And especially when you got guys
0: like, and we talk about the Padres lineup, you're going to put Soto in there with Paul Goldschmidt and Nolan Arenado, Like, it's unbelievable. And I mean, maybe he wasn't going to commit yet, but you look at the history with that St. Louis team, the way Albert Polis is loved there, Yadier Molina, Adam Wainwright, like the history of baseball at St. Louis, the fans would have got behind him. And I think they would easily have been able to keep him there. Um, if me they too. agreed on the money situation, so that that was surprising to me that that's what held the deal up. And then um, also Baltimore, that's my last team here. But I, I get Mancini and everything, but you give up Lopez too. Those guys even touched on yeah. like the fact that they struggled and then they brought back the team where they're at. They're one game out of a playoff spot. They talked about how much of a family atmosphere was becoming that the, where they're supposed to be this year. Lopez was under control for another three years, and you give them up at the deadline when it was mancini wasn't shocked but lopez was too but they talked about too kind of leaving and i was like i I was kind of disappointed there because it would have been a fun team to, to watch out for down the stretch especially having division games against the Rays.
1: i i totally agree man that uh again small market teams that that make decisions that you just really don't want to see teams have to make um it's like the only thing to me that that you know, like th- there's a lot of, of hate and understandably. So because most sports are just not this way But like the cap floor and cap ceiling and like the NHL, like it just keeps everyone relatively well. Re- like you can't just sit there and be like, well, we can't pay guys. It's like, well, you have to, to stay competitive in some respect, but like, exactly. it's wild, man. Like you can, you can have, you know, two players make up the, the entirety of an entire organization's 40 man rostered payroll. It's like, what the fuck? is going on how are how are those two teams playing each other right now how is that ever fair um and it's it's tough man it's it's sad
0: well i 100 percent agree with you there and but i don't i, I guess it's the fun of baseball too is you have those teams playing each other every once in a while and still being a small market not a high payroll you can still make noise but the final thing here i got for us here today I know it was, like, ending on a, on a fun stat or something, but I'm going to mix up a little bit today with what happened today in a very odd situation where you had a four-strike pitch at bat where it was a called strike, a foul ball, another called strike, and then a ground out. So it ended up not being a strikeout, but a ground out. I guess for either of you, if you're a fan, are you, like, obviously the umpire is the biggest at fault, but if you're the catcher 100%. or the pit, the pitcher, like, which one are you more shocked than like, didn't make a, a big scene about it? Like they just kept everyone. playing like, no, nobody. knew like
1: Everyone. It's hard. Like, I don't know. I feel like it's like one of those situations where it's like, you're in like junior high or something and you get some stupidly easy, you know, your, your first algebraic equation on, on a chalkboard, right? You got two X, you know, equals eight or some shit. And everyone yeah. in the fucking room knows it's four. I hope it's fucking four. I don't even know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> good everyone in the room but it's so easy and obvious that everyone's like well fucking no one's raising their hand like might, it, it must not be four yeah. and then you just sit there and wait it out like that's the only thing i can think but like to me it's this is i, mean, I get it mistakes happen and stuff like that but how in today's game how yeah. everyone's got ipads in the dugouts everyone's doing all the all the shit that they're doing not one person makes a giant scene and says whoa Four. Hold on. And again, you mentioned it. That that I mean it was a super delayed, awkward, like regular strike call, not like a definitive like all right, pull on the string, strike three. But fuck, that's so bad. It's such a bad look. It makes me so bitterly angry.
0: I absolutely agree with you. Absolutely agree with you. But unless you guys got anything else here, um that's gonna wrap up another edition of So You Think You Can Manage podcast. Thanks for listening again and hopefully We're talking about five great Phillies games here next week and a Noah Syndergaard uh, Phillies debut victory. Again, thanks for listening and have another great week, everybody.